God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so uh, we're going to uh, begin to talk about the sons and daughters prophesy. Man, the sons and daughters prophesy. And it's a good thing to understand uh, our role as believers and how to function totally as believers in this earth because that is one of the mandates on the church to uh, to prophesy and I'll I'll tell you why and and we'll do some under get some understanding of what that word really means when it pertains to the people of God in Acts chapter 2 and this is part of the uh, outpouring uh, what's referred to as Pentecost the day of Pentecost when the 120 were in the upper room and the power of God fell and the cloven tongues appeared to all of them and sat on each and every one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance so this was a supernatural occurrence in which people's wills were yielded to the will of God and what began to pour forth out of them was something that they had never experienced before and this is so vitally important to understand about this uh, Pentecostal experience of speaking in other tongues but also in prophecy where the sons and daughters prophesy and they speak words that they have not conjured up on their own very important it's an important difference that you've got to understand the difference here because this will save you a lot of trouble uh, in receiving uh, things that aren't for you and receiving from man's understanding and man's brain versus hearing from God's spirit which is what you want you want to you've heard enough of what man has to say you know I know I have you can ask a question and get 50 different opinions everybody you talk to will have a different opinion about things but the word of the Lord never changes it abides forever so you want that word to come to you and come forth up out of you the pure word of God and so this first experience kind of laid the groundwork for all experiences for the utterance of God and so he says here that they uh, that they were all filled in verse 4 with the whole Acts chapter 2 I'm sorry in verse 4 they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now how do we know they were filled because they spoke in other tongues that's always the evidence of the Holy Ghost filling a person. The filling and the overflow is a language that they don't know and they've never spoken before. But as they yield themselves to God by faith, the language kind of pours out of them. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout men out of Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven and when this was noised abroad the multitude came together and were confused because every man heard them speak in his own language so this was a an outpouring and a sign that confounded means that they were not believers 
The Bible says tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. You got me? So then the unbeliever gets convinced of the supernatural power of God resting on these people. And so they're able to know for certainty. Gee, this guy couldn't have figured out how to speak my language to me. He just got here. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know where I'm from. But this language is my language that I always speak. And so that's the sign aspect for unbelievers of tongues. You got me? tongues not only so the same tongues that was a sign for the unbeliever began to edify the speaker it always builds up the speaker that's why the devil don't want you to have it he likes you weak ignorant scared of him scared of everybody else and so if you can push past all that and yield yourself to God and receive of the gift then you'll be built up strengthened Stronger. In fact, in First Samuel 10, it says that you'll be changed into another person. You got me? You're not the same person after the Spirit of God comes upon you than you are before. Huh? Isn't that a blessing? You can go into your Superman closet. A sad little pitiful little something that the world and beat you up all day. You come home from work. Everybody done talked about you. Treated you bad. Said all kind of wrong things about you. Made you scared that they didn't want you back at the job anymore. And you go home and go into your little closet. And put on your little shirt with the red S. Just. And little by little the pieces of clothing come on you. You come out there and stand up. Say devil I triple dog dare you. Can't take nothing from me. You ain't gave me nothing. But sin and a hard time. Take that. I don't care if you take that or not. Trust me. But the blessings of God you cannot take from me. You cannot take them from me. The only way he can get them is you give them to him. <laughs> Through some kind of carnal stuff. Uh, stupidity or you know impulsiveness or you know running your mouth too much to the wrong people commit yourself overcommit yourself for something but you know if you repent God will give it right back to you rather have a he'd rather have his worst he'd rather bless his worst kid than to see the devil with it uh, he never gonna let the devil have it uh? so he says all these people heard them talk in their own language verse 7 they were all amazed and marveled said aren't these how do you know our language huh haven't they been speaking their native language all this time how do we hear every man in our own tongue where we were born Parthians Medes Elamites these are 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 not just Greeks but but specific regions in Greeks where they speak different languages I mean to the finest finest of of delineation of tongues and he says we do hear them speak in our tongues what do they hear them speak well absolutely so tongues will always magnify God always the Bible says no man can by the Holy Spirit say Jesus is accursed. He can never say anything bad about God or negative about God by the Holy Spirit. And they were all amazed. Then the confusion sets in again. Huh? 
This crowd thing is very important for people to understand that God wants that crowd to get one message and not be confused anymore. He wants people to understand clearly the gospel. And this is why the sons and daughters prophesied to get rid of the confusion, to get rid of the doubt, to get rid of the lies that the enemy perpetrates about God want the truth to come out so God then has to work in this atmosphere until truth is established mm-hmm. and he says this others mocking said these men are full of new wine so here we have the sign come forth and magnify God we hear the the ones who were not convinced start to get convinced but here there's another bunch that wants to throw in more confusion again see this back and forth concourse established by the gates of hell to steal truth from the world you got me so there's always going to be this buzzing this conversation this oh god doesn't mean that well, you know, you can't now. Now everybody's trying to legislate everything so they can put you in jail for preaching the gospel. See, it's coming, folks. If you don't believe it's coming, it's coming, because every it, the signs are all there that it's coming. And so, what what we as believers have to realize is that we have words that will stop the coming of these things and will put truth in a situation so that we don't have to sit there and listen to this nonsense and nobody else can be deceived and you can keep your job and you'll still be the head and you can still do what God tells you to do you got me you want none of the devil's nonsense that's why we live by faith so we don't have to have the devil in here we don't have to man please anybody we don't have to try and sign up for anything that that the devil's people have control over we can just do what god tells us to do so here's this these you know concourse people and picked up some nonsense from the gates of hell that they feel they can say just to throw in there and Try to control things. Take away from God. Hmm? You know God may have blessed you. But you had to do something yourself to get that. Hmm? Adding their nonsense in. So the ones who were mocking were saying they're drunk. Full of new wine. Well if wine ever made you a linguist. I'd say just go get some more wine. You got me? You get a better education off of wine than you can in some of their schools they had going on. Sick people, some sick people out here. And verse fourteen, but Peter standing up. Now this is what this this is where we need to focus. The sons and daughters prophesy. For you to stand up on the outside, there's got to be a stand up on the inside of you. If there's no stand up on the inside, don't you dare stand up on the outside problem with a lot of what the church is doing today is that the sons and daughters are not prophesying they're not getting that stand up on the inside so they can stand up on the outside and we've got people running around with fortune telling spirits and they call that prophecy well that's not what God's called the sons and daughters to do 
Now listen, you can I can be blessed by your words, I can be increased by your words, but God doesn't call you to go around and tell everybody they're going to get a car or they're going to get it. You, you got me? This is is nonsense. It's false and it's it's fortune telling and it's preying on weak people who are too lazy to get relationship with God so they know what real prophecy is and they can stand up and have words to say where God needs words now if if you've raised your children the right way you don't need 15 people coming around telling them that they're blessed you got me you just need them to obey the house rules so they can receive the blessing same thing with God's people all we need to do most of us is obey house rules and we can walk in the blessing you don't need somebody to tell you God's got a husband for you we know he's got a husband for you but you've been putting it off because you don't want to get it in gear because you don't want nobody telling you what to do Selah I mean, come on now. If we wanted what God has, we know what to do to get it. Brother, come in there after, you know, 10, 15 years. You getting up when you want to, combing your hair when you want to, brushing your teeth when you want to, all other stuff you do when you want to. And they come in there looking at you funny. When you going to do this? When you going to do that? When you going to do that? So I don't need to give you a word to tell you that God got somebody for you that's going to do that. Because I know you don't want to hear it. Where was I? Send him back in my Bible. But Peter standing up. Make sure there's a stand up in you before you stand up on the outside. You got me? If there's no stand up inside of you, don't you stand up on the outside and try to utter anything to anybody. You got me? There must be an unction. There must be a word, a real word from the Lord. There's got to be real. It's reality to this. People, I don't care what the devil's told you in your brain about how important you are to the kingdom. Nobody's waiting on you to come. You know, their life isn't on hold until you come in and tell them. People are really crazy. So Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem. Hmm. Just a personal prophecy. See this is where the real sons and daughters are called to speak. The scope of your words are so much greater than somebody's little life. If you'd understand it. You realize God's already made you the head. Head of what? Head of wherever you are. You've got bigger things to address than one person sitting in there that looks a little goofy and like they want to hear what you got to say. As everybody who goes up to somebody to prophesy picks them out by looking at them to see if they, you know, if you look mean enough like that you scare them half to death, they don't come up to you. 
Huh? If you look a little confused, a little worried, a little weary, a little depressed, a little upset, a little angry, a little something, they'll come right up. It's that energy. You throw off. You got a similar energy. Your best protection against false words is stay in the spirit yourself. You stay in the spirit. He stands up and he says, all y'all, everybody, talking to everybody. Sons and daughters who prophesy have a word from their father on a larger scale than what we're doing down here playing around with each other's minds, playing mind games with each other. You got something to say? Say it. You're the head. Say it to the head of the place where you are. Huh? You address people on your own level. You don't have to go around trying to impress little people that's all forlorn and and upset and confused already. No, you address everybody to get the whole atmosphere straightened out so that everybody there will know what God has to say. When God talks, he talks to more than just you. He says, these are not drunk. He said, hearken to my words. How dare you say that, Peter? Who are you? I'm the head here and not the tail. Got me? I got a word from my father. God has called me to stand and prophesy so I can say these things. He says, these are not drunken as you suppose because it's only the third hour of the day. I mean, an idiot would know nobody's drunk at this time of day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that means that you have understanding of the mysteries of God. This is that means that you've had some time that you've spent with God in prayer and understanding the word and in fasting and not trying to figure out how you're going to get somebody alone so you can tell them something. Huh? I mean that's what the false people do. And more and more these people are going to be run out of town, run out of meetings, run out of everywhere till they have no place else to run with these little false prophecy devils they carry. Little fortune telling devils. He says, and it shall come to pass. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Sons and daughters know the Bible. They know what Joel said. They know who Joel is. It will come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So this Pentecostal happening was poured out of God's spirit onto his people. He says, I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh. I don't care. Poor flesh, rich rich flesh, black flesh, white flesh, female flesh, male flesh, adult flesh, children flesh. And he says, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. They've already done that. They've magnified God in an unknown tongue. But then Peter comes up in the understanding. And brings clarity to everybody of what's going on. And he says this is nothing new. This has been foretold already. This is nothing that's not going to happen. This has been told. We've we've said this already. We expect this. I expect to prophesy. 
You should expect to prophesy. We should all expect to prophesy because it's been foretold already. This is nothing new. So the sons and daughters shall prophesy. And the young men shall see visions of God. Why? Because they want to be led in the right way. And the old men will dream dreams. Why? Because they have time to to speak and to put together the future through the dream state. You got me? And so God is saying that these things will be real. The Spirit of God will make them so real to you. That there will be a stand up on the inside of you. And it will cause you to stand up on the outside. And prophesy. And say things that will bring clarity. Bring instruction. And bring understanding that will magnify God. Not try to line somebody's pocket. Not try to get them in false hope about something that's that God's already dealt with in their lives. Something you know, something that it will set things straight. Set them straight. When you're the head, you don't need to impress people. When you're the head, you need to talk to the head that's causing trouble, so that it can be put down. You got to do headship things. Problem in the church is that we're so busy trying to figure out for ourselves what that this whole thing means. Everybody comes up with a different meaning for what the scripture means. But it's plain right here what he's talking about. He's talking about bringing an end to confusion among a mass of people. Bringing clarity as to what God's doing. In our midst, bring understanding of where we're going instead of a bunch of confusion all the time. People running into each other, button heads. Are you going to this conference? you going to that conference? I'm going here. I'm going there. For what? What do you do with it when you get home? Huh? You prophesy. When you have problems at, at your children's school. Do you have a stand up on the inside of you so you can stand up and confront them stupid teachers up there? You go and try to get some more money to take them out of that school and go go get a private school. Running from the devil. There should be a stand up inside of everybody. If you're baptized in the spirit and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. This thing happened immediately on Peter. He got filled, spoke in tongues and a stand up came in him and he stood up and prophesied. So often we get hands laid on us and then somebody tells us as soon as we speak two words. The devil's going to try to take it away from you so you don't, you know. Huh? Because we think that's all there is. We're so nervous about trying to get them to hold on to what the little bit they've got. We don't let them take it on to its natural outlet. That they will prophesy. Begin to magnify God. Begin to bring clarity into a situation. Huh? So the reality of it is that God wants us all. To prophesy. Not just go and collect gifts. And then be the same worried people we were before the gift came upon us. Hmm? It's good to let people know. Read this. 
Know what you're, you're receiving from God. Know your potential in God. Know what you're called to do. So when God says his sons and daughters shall prophesy. Verse 18. And on my servants and handmaidens. In case I left anybody out. I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. So the whole church will prophesy. And speak the wonderful works of God. Will magnify God. Whatever it is in your spirit that's a stand up on the inside of you. You need to start speaking from that. Instead of shutting it down all the time. and I got to wonder about my job. And I got to wonder about paying the bills. And I got to wonder. Why don't I just let that stand up on the inside of me. Speak and magnify God. And, and just go on with that. Instead of my usual routine of being concerned when bad news happens. And something comes up that doesn't seem right. Why don't I just let the Holy Ghost stand up on the inside of me. And tell me what to say in this situation right now. Mm-hmm. See if we would obey that stand up on the inside Everybody's got it Everybody's got it You keep quenching it and pushing it down But you still got it anyway Because you can't kill the Holy Ghost And he knows you're going to need it And one day you're going to obey it And you're going to stand up and magnify God That's how you start You start out by saying How good God is How wonderful he is that he's a great God. He's, there's none like him. And from that you share your testimony. What he did for you. How you got saved. Many people don't do that anymore. You know <clears throat> the Lord was showing me how simple he's made the gospel. And how simple and how complicated people make it. How they complicate things trying to make it something other than what it is just to keep themselves employed so to speak. But he, he showed me this. He said that he, he gave Joyce Meyer a ministry based on her testimony. You can see women are still the, the primary focus of, of what she does in her ministry. You know, men come and they get a lot out of it because she's a very thorough teacher. But her her slant in her message is all geared toward her testimony of how God remakes somebody that's been damaged. The new birth. The finished work. Salvation. It's a basic message so that people can get everything that they need to get out of their salvation experience. Because people run around thinking that they need inner healing, outer healing, upper healing, under healing. Flip me inside out. Prophesy to me. Turn me upside down. People feel that they need so much work. How is it that you got so debilitated after you got saved that you need all of this when God is it's a finished work you've got everything already is in you you just need to understand how to obey the right thing in you so that you can walk in authority and walk in victory and walk in peace with everybody. She focuses on relationship because that needs to be done because the enemy is tearing down families faster than he's tearing down anything. 
So anybody who can teach you how to keep a marriage together and keep your kids right and keep that together. But that is basic pastoral teaching folks. That is not anything to grab 20,000 people at a time. But you can see we need it because it's not being taught in churches. What you're being taught in churches is how to get debilitated even more. So you can't do anything. You know every now and then you know we get a glimpse of how how. You know, unusual it is to tell believers to pray, to do these things. This is your mandate. You can do this. This is what you're called to do. And don't give me any lip about you're not ready. Yeah, we'll have somebody come in here from from who knows where. And wonder if anybody's in sin in here because they can't pray with somebody who's in sin. And then it dawns on me, I said, you know what? These people think that there's something wrong with you when you're saved. Now they they wouldn't wouldn't think twice about praying with a sinner. Can I lead you to the Lord where you prayed with him? You come into a church and you got to inspect everybody. Look under, clean in between their teeth and get the bridge work and all of that. Find out where they were the last 24 hours. You got to do a whole, you know, investigative thing on them and forensics and checking everybody's fingernails and toenails to see where they've been before you can pray with somebody. And I think to myself, I said, we got whole churches of people that don't do anything for God. Because they think that sin is so powerful. If you, can't, you mean you can't stop and repent before you pray? And ask God to forgive you? And, and cleanse you from, from all unrighteousness? And believe that you're cleansed because you confessed it? I'm thinking no wonder the devil's running rampant over everybody. He's got believers stomped on what's what what if somebody sinned before they got here to church? Hmm? What if? Hmm. Well, it stops everything cold. I mean, we can't do anything about sin. I mean, that's a toughie. Hmm? See, no wonder we don't get any work done. We've made ourselves worse than sinners. Huh? We've made ourselves worse. Because we can lead a sinner and tell him in a minute. Just repent and God will forgive you. But believer, you've you got to do something else. See, that's a right for you. This is why the church doesn't speak for God. When you prophesy, that's all you do. You speak for God. You speak from his heart, from his mind, the manifold wisdom of God. You speak what God would speak into a situation. That's that just that simple. And for most people it does start with their testimony. Remember that stand up on the inside of you the day you got saved? You couldn't wait to tell everybody until you found out God was helping you talk and they got scared of you. Told you to shut up or they didn't want it or get lost. But they don't stop that stand up from standing up in you. 
Now you may not want to say it. You may think twice. Wonder if you'll compromise your relationship with your friend. Hmm? People do that. Take away from it. Oh God I'm not getting the reaction I thought. Well you didn't even think. Before you opened your mouth. Which is a good thing. If the stand up of God stood up in you to say something. It's good not to think before you speak it. Just speak it. The prophecy that God expects from the sons and the daughters. Is definitely for edification, exhortation and comfort. Because it's coming from God. It's not because you can flip it around and make it sound nice. But it will get the job done. You're here on assignment. None of this is your doing. If somebody had told you when you were making your plans for your life for the rest of your life. That one day you'd be telling people about Jesus and and leading them to church and doing all this for the church. You'd have laughed at them. But here you are. And so this is not your you're making this is not your idea and the plans for it won't be yours either because God will put you where he desires to put you and put that word on the inside of you that causes your inner man to stand up and want attention huh your inner man knows who it's for and he'll Bring people to attention so that you can say what God wants you to say. And go sit down somewhere and shut up. Huh? And just leave it out there. <clears throat> so why does the church prophesy? Why? What, what is it about prophecy that this must be done? Why is it that people want to grab it and twist it and make it something other than what it is? People miss the purpose of it. People miss opportunities to prophesy. And they'll go and grab something else to do and call it prophecy. You got me? So God desires, we prophesy because God desires to speak to all men, whomever and whenever he wants to. God wants to speak to them. He has chosen the gift of prophecy. And to work through a human vessel. This is his choosing. I can't tell you why. I have a good good guess. That you're going to listen to people anyway. So it makes it easy. So he can put it in somebody that you, you know you'd want to listen to. Huh? And so <clears throat> he does it. Because he wants to make contact. Wants to. His ideas, thoughts, his will made known to humanity. He does this through the spirit and the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 12.10 tells us that prophecy is a gift to the church. Unbelievers do not prophesy for God. You got me? It's a gift to the church. Now, not the church as a building, but the church as a called out body of believers. You can't look at somebody and tell if they're saved or not. You know, you kind of have to be around them for a bit or, or something. You know, you have to ask God to, for revelation on these things. But prophecy is a message from God, and it's a God 
inspired or God breathed message. Which means that it doesn't come by you reading the Bible and putting together some scriptures and making a message for people. But this is something that's God breathed on a person. It may come to them ahead of time where they will it will be being put together in their spirit or it may suddenly come upon them but it is a God breathed and God inspired message this message announces God's plan and vision for man his plan and vision for man and for the earth It will announce also man's part in it. So prophecy ends confusion. It ends confusion. Prophecy imparts God's wisdom and timing in the affairs of man. And he does this to bring humans to a point of decision about what he says. The effects of prophecy are different on humans than they are on the spirit world. The obedience to prophecy in the spirit world, the the decision to obey God's word in the spirit world is immediate. It's immediate. In humans it's not. Humans think about it, wonder, kick it out, don't like it. What am I going to do with what I plan to do? Hmm? All of that. So uh, humans have a will that goes both ways. The spirit world only one way according to God's word. In the realm of the spirit, um, evil spirits or spirits are given over to the devil and rebellion and so forth and so, so on. Since Christ's work at Calvary must obey the authority of the church so there's a mandate on them they have to obey so the decision on their part to obey that word is immediate man we have to weigh it we have to think about it we have to be convinced so that word because it's energized and alive with the Holy Spirit tends to follow humans and continue to work to convince that person that it's God. You got me? That's why it's so important for the sons and daughters to prophesy. And not waste your time diddling around with nonsense because you're bored. If you're bored, go get in the word until there's a stand up on the inside of you. Huh? Where you can say you have something to stand up and you've got something to say. And God puts the person in front of you that you're to say it to. Uh Everything that you have inside of you isn't for everybody. Hmm? 
people in the church get too comfortable with one another. They want to have words for each other all the time. Certain people want to be thought of as wise. Always want to counsel somebody. Have something to say to somebody. And you know tell them how much they know. Stop it. Get something real. Get a stand up on the inside of you. First stand up you, you need to get is the one that's holding your loved ones in bondage. You know your witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the earth. Tell your family about how you got saved. Drive them nuts. Make that word follow them. Make them, you know, make that word uh, wrestle them down until they begin to serve God for real. Huh? I mean, for real. Just do what God tells you to do. But keep that stand up in you real. Don't get over into your soul where your soul starts telling you to tell people stuff about yourself. They don't care about you. People come to try and get some help for themselves. But there is somebody who can benefit from your testimony. You need to find out who that person is, where they are and go there and deliver it. You got me? Man, if we could take all these people and sit up in these mega churches and get a word in them so that they could deliver it to somebody, we'd set the world on fire. But we keep debilitating people. Tell them they, they need to think positive, need to be encouraged, and don't get so down on yourself. And don't, well, you know, God still loves you. And quit babying people. And give them something that the world needs. I don't care how slow you are in God. You've got more than than all the sinners out there will ever know about God. While they're sinners. So they can definitely benefit from what's on the inside of you. You need to start go telling. Go tell. Not tell everybody in here all the time. Go tell. Go to some of them people on your job you scared of. The mean ones. I was so mad last Sunday. And people at that hotel got my potato salad. I was I was running around trying to put a curse on it. I hope they I hope you get sick. <laughs> Took my potato salad. I will hurt you. It's about Thursday. I repented. It's bad. I was mad. And then all of a sudden, it came to me. <laughs> I will send a blessing. <laughs> huh? So I decided what I'm going to do is have a prayer request box at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And solicit prayers to pray for. Huh? I do what the word says. Huh? I'll feel good about it pretty soon, but I've made the decision. You got me? Huh? You have to make the decision first. But see, that's to me, that's more like what I think I need to do. Because if people 
are coming to work and they can't be honest about other people's belongings. Uh-huh. Now you can start asking God to get rid of people, but my goodness, the ones that come in, you got to be concerned what's going to be replaced with that, you know. So I decided, well, God, these people need you. It's pretty obvious. How do I get you to them? So I made my decision on how this is going to go. And the stealing's going to stop. Amen. This is God's plan for honesty to take over and integrity to take over instead of people living below where they need to live. It's bad enough you, you have to clean for a living. You know, it's that's not pleasant. I mean, there's some people like cleaning, but everybody has aspirations to do more. And so if but you're going to stay there if you don't learn how to see yourself being greater than where you are. <clears throat> and so the the decision has been made. I curse no more. I bless. <laughs> I bless. But see, there has to be a stand up inside of you. See, when God stood up inside of me and told me what to do, huh? Stop it. Cut it out. <laughs> and do what the word says do this so that's what you do so <clears throat> humans respond much slower to the word or, or can respond slower humans their souls have to be convinced to quit fighting the word of God the devil huh Hears and trembles, the Bible says, because the decision's already been made. So he can't resist the Word of God. Not allowed to. He doesn't have the mechanism to resist it. So what he has to do is deceive us into coming over in his playground and playing with him. So that's how he gets what he gets from, from people. So the decision by the spirit world to obey God has already been made. God made that decision. Times and seasons are determined by God. So when seasons are are coming that God wants and knows he needs to get a message to humanity. Then he prepares a vessel to hear his word. That stand up will also come inside of a person who is has a personal prayer relationship with God. There are some stand ups that happen inside of us as a response to a need that we may have. Where we, we must address the spirit world to let them know what God is doing and what God says. So your your voice when you prophesy that word goes into the atmosphere and addresses the principalities and powers that control that atmosphere that keep people stupid, confused, feeling like they can get away with anything, keeps that that uh, thief mentality in people where they don't want to pay the price for what they desire, all of that stuff, that that word that you speak 
not only it touches the ears of any humans that are there but also will will address the principalities and powers to let them know the manifold wisdom of God that's why the devil likes to keep the church confused about her role as far as God's word is concerned for years we've heard confess the word confess the word nobody will tell you prophesy because if you say that that sets off such a a force of hell against you and there are many people who make their reputation by confusing the church to make you think that prophecy is only for the person next to you to let you know let them know that you can hear for God for them it's not what God's talking about here. It's not what he's talking about here. If we can get prophecy elevated to the level in our thinking that it, it is that God's placed it in, then we can be very, very effective. But, but why would you think a prophecy is for you to tell somebody they're going to get blessed rather than be able to speak to the governor of the school system in the spirit and make him change laws that are damaging your children change laws that kick the bible out of school change laws that kick god out of everything why will we would we think we can only speak on a human human level and not be able to address that thing because the devil keeps a lot of confusion in the church the minute somebody steps out and begins to declare something then the leadership in the church calls calls them crazy says they're an embarrassment they don't do this right they shouldn't do that but brother Hagin was a prophet and he never did it he never rose to the level that these people are rising to you got me not that he was wrong he did what God told him to do but every generation is blessed more than their fathers they give more authority to people last thing leaders in the church want is for oh don't give the believers anything hmm? Or if they tell you you're anointed, there's confusion about what your anointing does. Huh? Why should we have to convince you of anything? You can have a stand up on the inside of you and just obey the stand up. This is a personal thing between you and God. I don't see anything here about the apostles had to tell them that they could feel God and they could speak in tongues. That nobody had to tell them anything. The Holy Ghost just came and imparted it to them. And they began to prophesy and magnify God. And went on from there. The Bible said they turned the world upside down. You know who was in charge of the world then? Them crazy Caesars. Rome, the government of Rome owned the whole known world. The Bible says them people turned it upside down. Now if they can turn Rome upside down. And you didn't mess with Caesar. You know he's, Caesar cut you. (laughs) Your mama too. 
Everybody in the house. These would kill everybody in the house. Find one person wrong, you get them all, baby. You didn't mess with him. Roman guards, if they lost a prisoner, cut them, stabbed themselves to death because they didn't want Caesar to catch him out. And I'd rather, yep, you know, kill me now. <laughs> I don't want him to catch me. Huh? But the believers turned that upside down. It wasn't just the apostles. It was only 12 of them. Well, 11. <laughs> huh? They find out the their pastor's in jail. Nobody stopped to say, <laughs> is he guilty or is he not? They just said, get him out. Get him out. We, we, we deal with a higher authority. Get him out of jail. There's a stand-up inside of them at a prayer meeting that says, bring him out. And they obey the stand-up on the inside of them. So times and seasons are, are determined by God. And he begins to prepare vessels to hear his word. He prepares vessels. Somebody that he can pour into and pour out of. Huh? A preparation, your first preparation is your call. Your call to salvation. I'm not talking about call. You know, like people say, I'm called. Oh boy, we all are. Get out and do something. What are you doing with your call? Well, I'm waiting on God. I don't know why. Is your boss saved? I don't know. You need to. Huh? <clears throat> your relationship with God according to the call. So your response to the call, it begins with your your call to salvation, your response to it, and your subsequent relationship with God after the call. As God prepares vessels, he begins to develop their spirits. He wants a submitted heart. That means that you wait for him before you get any bright ideas. He wants a trusting heart. The Bible says he tries the reins of our hearts. He don't take your word for nothing. He tries them over and over and over and over and over again. Every day you get up is a test. Where's your heart today? So he tries the reins of our hearts over and over and over again. When our hearts are fixed on him. He begins to feed us his word. He begins to speak to us in a spirit of peace and inspires us. That's the God breathing. When you begin to worship God and you read your Bible and he begins to tell you things on the inside of you. 
Those are God breathed words. He tells you things that will strengthen you with might by your spirit in your inner man. Huh? Your outer man may look the same. People may treat you the same. But if you spend your time as a vessel being prepared by God. He begins to speak to your inner man. And strengthen you with might by his spirit. In um, I'm sorry in Acts 2. In verse 21, this is the, the end result of God standing up on the inside of Peter. He says, it shall come to pass that all whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that stand up on the inside of you when God gives you a message, when he gives you a word. When he gives you to declare something. Is to bring about the salvation. The wholeness. The return of health. The return of sanity. The return of whatever has been missing. To bring about the shalom or the peace of of a person. And their salvation. So when God gives you something for someone. Or something to be spoken and to be uttered. Then that the end of that is peace for the hearer who will receive it. And it, it sets a note and a tone to the principalities and powers. That they must obey, move out of the way, quit hindering that person from hearing, quit deceiving that person. That it does so much. Your words do so much in the realm of the spirit. That's why people keep keep going to to hear how to get themselves together for years and years and years and never move on. Because the, the devil wants to make the church see herself as weak, uneducated, unknowing that somebody else's job. I'm not there yet. I need more of this. I need more of that. And we're always looking for ways to improve on something that we don't even have evidence there's there's something wrong with us. Most of the time when you're not yourself, so to speak, it's because of what you focus on. You know the 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 uh, all the twelve step. <laughs> and I've been to many of them. I'm a graduate of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. You know. But you know what their end result is for for mental illness, emotional illness, uh, drug addiction, uh, anything that that you know keeps people from from functioning normal is to get up and function they just tell you to get up and do it it's like Mary told the servants yeah whatever he tells you to do do it but you got to have a relationship with him so that he can give you something to do and make you confident in you got to put a stand up on the inside of you through relationship with him once he has your heart and he tries the reins of your heart what are you going to do? 
God wants you to, to, to go and minister to somebody. I don't have time. I got to do this. I got to do that. Wants you to go see somebody. Wants you to go in some territory you haven't been in in a while. Well, I'm busy. I got to do what well, you don't know all I have to do. God wants us to quit thinking about ourselves as needy, crippled, unprepared, uneducated. See, if we quit comparing ourselves to everybody and just focus on him. When he's trying the reins of your heart, that your heart is toward him. God, what do you want me to do for you today? I'm tired of doing stuff for myself, waiting around for this and that. What do I need to do for you today? That's the way to wholeness and health and wellness in anybody's program. Huh? They tell they'll they'll tell people, parents, get your children involved in an structured after school program because they have too much time on their hands to wonder what they're here for. You tell them what they're here for. You're here to go to this after school program and from that you know we'll see. But get busy. You don't let the devil have time with, with people in idleness. They're people of purpose. Get them involved in purposeful things. Well they don't like it. So what? So what? You ever found anything necessary for you to do in your life that you didn't like? It's a good dose of reality for everybody. You learn to like things. First time you had to get up and spend time with God. You didn't like that either. But you made yourself keep doing it. And pretty soon after you were in it for a few minutes the Spirit of God took over. He'll do the same thing in everything else you endeavor to do. So the end of this is the preaching of the gospel. That the gospel go forth. That men will know how to be saved. That men will call upon the name of the Lord. And know that there is salvation there. That they will know it. How do they know it? Because the church makes it known to everybody. Ephesians 3. And verse 1. Paul's talking about a mystery that God revealed to him. There is a mystery wrapped up in Christ that has to be revealed to the world continually. This is a continual need in the world. You know people spend time trying to figure out if all nations have heard the gospel. Well if they have tell them again. Till everybody's saved. You know, you go tell them, well, they've heard, well, we, we know the gospel's been preached in all quarters of the earth. Uh, we're waiting for Jesus to come. I don't think so. He's not coming from a, for a bride that's sitting around getting her toenails done. And looking for more money to spend on nothing. You keep telling it until the sky cracks and you start lifting up off your own feet. 
never told you to stop preaching the gospel because you think it's been preached already everywhere. Sick people out here. I'm telling some sick people. There's a, a mystery. You you can't know that people know it already. I don't care how many times they I don't care if you shared your testimony with the same people fifteen times. If they haven't received Christ, there's still there's a mystery to them. It hasn't been revealed, unraveled to them. When God tells you to speak, you speak, even if you've spoken to that person before. Keep speaking. As long as there's a stand up inside of you that says share this, you share it. Don't quench the spirit of God. He says, Paul says, verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God that was given to me for you, that how by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Revelation comes out of your relationship with God. He reveals things. You spend time with him. You let him know that you're available. You quit having your own agenda about everything. And you let God speak. And you let it be known that God really He gets your attention and he gets it for real. When when that happens, then God can He's trying the reins of your heart to see if you'll stay focused on Him, and not just focus, but give Him more and more control. When He trying the reins means that He's He's taking the slack out of your life. He's not letting you go everywhere. He's pulling you this way and pulling you that way to see if you'll come. So he's trying it to see if you'll yield to him. Even in things where you think you know what you want. Or things that he's already blessed you with. You're trying to hold on to him tighter. If he tries the reins and tells you let go of it, you let go. He, he has to do these things. That's how he prepares vessels. He's got enough people running around here speaking for him without hearing from him. He's got to have somebody who will wait at his at his throne and see what he will, will speak to them and then go speak it when he says to speak it. So Paul says that this is a mystery. Verse 4 whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And this in other ages it was not made known to the sons of men but now it's revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. So Paul's saying we're living in a wonderful age. Where, where now this mystery will be unveiled to everybody who will hear. And so now we have more people who can go out and speak. When Moses got angry with the children of Israel because they were jealous of him because God used him. Now none of them wanted to, do what he, to live the life he lived to get God to talk and to hear from God. But they wanted... They're a bunch of thieves. They wanted the gift and the manifestation without paying the price for it. And he said, I wish you all could prophesy. He said, man, it made my life easier. You could hear from God for yourself. You could speak for God. You would know God. And so we have come to that age where everybody who knows the Lord can be empowered and can prophesy. We've come to that place. And so he says, <clears throat> that 
by the spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. And you know that, that, Christian, that, that God was not just for the Jew. It was for everybody. And that's a mystery that Paul found out. That God would make of two distinct groups of people one person by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says I've been made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Verse 7. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So he knew what what his stand up in him was to go to the Gentiles and let them know that there was no more a certain group that could have God only but God was there for everybody. And that's the same gospel that we have that that we preach. It's the same mystery unveiled that we can you have no problem going up to the the most uh despicable looking person on the street, somebody sitting under a, a bridge somewhere, and it's all smelly, you can't even get close to them, but you have no problem telling them God loves them, He wants to save them, and they can go to heaven if they don't know Jesus Christ. You have no problem with that. And that's because that that knowledge and revelation of who Christ is is in your heart. That's how you know that. That's how you have no problem with that. And he says, verse 9, to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent now... He said now, that's 2,000 years ago, more than that now. To the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Why do we skip over that? Paul's talking about the mystery of the gospel being preached to all men. And he said the intention of the preaching of the gospel is to make known not to just people but to them up there. That's the church's job. To make the devil that's controlling your children's schools stop it in Jesus name. That's the church's job. So as we preach the gospel as we prophesy and as we declare what God gives us to speak to humanity it also makes known to the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. That's, that's how you prophesy. That's what's important for you. And when it says sons and daughters prophesy, get out of your mind trying to give a word to somebody. Because see the devil will keep you sitting waiting on a word to give to somebody and looking at people and trying to figure out what you can tell them to make them feel better and what God might want them to, to understand and hear. But you can every day that you get up preach to a vessel but you can also make known the principalities and powers and manifold wisdom of God. Back in Paul's day when he preached to people the devil's backed up period. They, they, it was known to them. But you can do it either way. You can do it both ways. When you preach, when you preach the gospel, you can sense around you 
there's a, a an attention in the spirit. There's there's a freedom that you have to speak. There's an anointing that comes upon you. The spirit of God comes and will make people shut up. They'll make people quit interfering. They'll make people stand at bay. Just from you sharing your testimony with somebody will clear out every demon and make them stand at attention and shut up. Now when you leave they might try to re-enter and speak to those people again. But you got your word in. You didn't get interrupted before that word came out of you. If you if you have problems with devils interrupting them then you need to talk to them before you get to where you're going to. You got me? Because you can do it on both levels. The church is to make known to principalities. We're not to sit here and wonder, well, uh, you know, did you hear what Obama said? I don't give a rip what he said. I can talk to the devil that gave him those words, which we do, and make him quit talking to everybody. We got a prayer in the White House already to cover idiot decisions by by leaders. Huh? Once they've been proven to not listen to God, they're out the door. You got me? You don't have to worry about them anymore. And if by some miracle he gets another four years, we can nullify and void his words anyway. You have to wait for the Supreme Court to do Look at what they've done for us so far. You want them in charge of anything? So you got to use your authority with what God gives you. The church can do this. Anybody can do this. What the church leadership has done is kept this away from you. Make you scared of it. Oh they're talking to the devil over there. Well you know they just pray in tongues right around the car and, and pointing it up in the sky. Suppose it works. Suppose it works. It's better than you're doing. You're sitting around criticizing. What are you doing to put the devil in his place? Huh? You're waiting on a meeting. They ain't waiting. They're doing. And if God wants to correct them as they go or not correct them at all, it's none of your business. Who art thou to criticize another man's servant? So that's the church's job. That's why you prophesy. That's who you prophesy to. You got bigger fish to fry than to try to mess up the person's head sitting next to you with your wonderful knowledge and all your gifts. You got gifts, get out there and use them where a gift needs a gift needs to be given to the devil every day. We need to present him with something to make him remember the church. Just drop a gift on him. Every day. Twice a day. Three times a day. Every minute of every day. This is the eternal purpose of Christ. This is what he's saying. For the church to begin to speak to these stupid devils that run everything and tell them to stop. Give them the manifold wisdom of God. It's available to us. 
He says this is the eternal purpose of Christ which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by our faith in him. You believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior then you have to go further. Get your boldness, confidence and access by your faith in him. To speak and make known to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. I was I was watching um, this movie uh, Secretariat. You know, it's all our free our free movies that are are uh, you know you know and and uh, so I was watching it because I remember when it first a Disney movie so Rachel and you know uh, Tippy took Rachel to see it and so they were telling me about it and so <clears throat> I wanted to see it and there's a a trailer of the you know when you when they're advertising the movie they have those little small clips and they show a man standing in front of a grandstand and making an announcement and when you see the trailer I'm thinking to myself I said, is that the announcer you know because he dressed all rough looking and his language was you know just everyday language and so it, it kind of grabbed me it was one of those scenes that kind of didn't make sense and so I said well I'm going to have to look at this movie see what that's about but in the movie long story short this uh, uh, farm is about to go under because the parents, uh, you know, this is a, a adult uh, children have gone on and, and done what they did. But their their parents own this farm where they bred thoroughbreds, and, and a lot of them were good horses. Some of you know, there's some uh, some uh, Derby winners in there, and all that kind of stuff. You know, some some high quality thoroughbreds in the mix. So the mother dies and the the kids come back and they've all scattered and gone their separate ways. Well there's a daughter involved and she always had a thing for horses. She understood how to take care of them and all this kind of stuff. And she was aware of everything that how her dad had set up to uh, <clears throat> with the breeding and when the, when the, they were to acquire horses. You know who they were bred with and all this kind of stuff. And so there was a, a situation coming up where they were either going to lose this farm or some of the one of the kids had to come down and, and untangle the mess now the father was still alive but he was mentally kind of going downhill there was a trainer that was hired uh, by the family and it looked that he was ripping them off so her first act she fired the trainer you know just getting in there doing her thing it's a woman during the 1960s you know before all this women's lib stuff and all of that but she you know nobody had to liberate her she <laughs> knew who she was she fires a trainer she finds he's ripping off she starts fixing getting the book straightened up and so what's coming up is a uh, <clears throat> there's two two mares that are pregnant with with colts and so her dad and the other dad that owned the 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 horses when they breed they breed for the sire you know the dad that you know what he has and so they uh decide by a coin toss which one gets which one so you got two colts involved and so they're uh toss a coin the other man wins he says to the girl he says uh, he's the the daughter of the man she's a grown woman name is penny says the penny he says um 
he says uh, your father is known to lose these coin tosses all the time so I hope you you know your luck is better than his and so anyway she had decided in her mind already which one she wanted he won the coin toss picked the other horse and so when she talked to uh, to one of her assistants a secretary there she said well he won the coin toss but I got the horse I wanted you see she knew how to pick them and so as they progress they notice this horse is a little different he stands up the minute he's born which is very unusual he's very strong and he's a very very uh, 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 beautiful horse they call him Big Red and so he's always been known as Big Red because every name they try to give him the horses the breeders association won't accept it so he needs a name to run under so they have to get a name that, that they approve of and so the secretary just submits the name secretariat because it's you know <laughs> to see if they take that when they do but they're all, he's always known as Big Red and the groomer is an interesting person because he is the person who takes care of the horse night and day they are known to just sleep in the stable and watch over the horse all the time they know every muscle on that horse they know every ailment they have every one they don't have they know that horse up and down backwards and forwards and so the groom they're they're getting him ready in the because the the farm is still in a little political i mean a little financial trouble um, Penny decides that she's going to sell shares in the future offspring of Big Red. And so they, she finally convinces they don't want to buy from a woman. They don't want to listen to a woman, even the club that they belong to. No women are allowed. She goes in there anyway and does what she does. And so uh, it comes down to she's given uh, an implication of a guarantee that this horse is going to win the triple crown which is three races back to back they get longer each time and nobody's won it in 25 years they don't think anybody ever will again except the people who own the horse and work with the horse the trainer kind of believes in it you know he's French and he speaks French all the time they don't know what he's thinking cussing people out in French and complaining in French but you know this little hodgepodge of people are there nobody thinks they can do anything this farm has been going downhill for years and here a woman out of the family of all things her brothers and sisters don't think she can do it her husband doesn't think she can do it nobody thinks she can do it but she and the groomer and the trainer and the jockey know something they they have their hopes that this this horse is who they believe this horse is and so he gets down to the race before the derby and he doesn't do well he comes in third and so penny tells everybody off she met at the jockey met at the trainer so they call in the um, in a physician and the groomer standing there and he's always there with the horse holding the bridle he's always caring for him he's always I don't care who is in the presence of that horse the groomer's always there and so and that's you know for you who can't put it together sometimes as well you know like I couldn't at first a groomer represents the Holy Spirit you see he's with us all the time and he's the only one who knows what we can do he's the one who knows what we can do it doesn't matter what the leadership in the church thinks about the sheep it doesn't matter anything it's the holy spirit who knows what we can do and so this groomer 
when they get the word from the doctor they found out he has an abscess in his gum and every time he's pulled he's in pain and so they've got like 10 days or so to get this abscess treated and it gets so bad the horse doesn't eat for several days and so when they when the groomer knows if the horse doesn't eat there's no race there's no strength there's no nothing and so he he it it seems as though there's a spirit of prayer here because they begin by giving a description of the horse from the book of job and talks about how fearless the horse is and how strong he is and all of this kind of stuff so they are prophesying over this horse they're believing in this horse and everybody's putting everything they have into it and so that that trailer that I kept seeing about this man standing out there in front of the grandstand is the groomer because he gets up on the day of the derby and he finds the box of feed empty where Big Red ate one bucket and he proceeds to give him another one and so you don't see whether he ate it all or not but the next thing you see is the groomer comes out to the middle of the Churchill Downs in the middle of that racetrack and he says hey Kentucky he said you getting ready to see something you ain't never seen before huh and I believe that's what the the Holy Spirit says every time we stand up and speak to these principalities you getting ready to see something you ain't never seen before he said Big Red ate his breakfast this morning he says so get ready huh get ready so Big Red, of course, goes on to win the Triple Crown. The last he, all the other horses in the what is it, Preakness or Belmont? I think Belmont's the last one in New York, and and that's the longest one. That most of the entrants got out of the race. It ran. It wound up being only five horses in the race. See, the principalities and powers know to get out of the way when the church stands up. It's no contest anymore. Secretary ran that won that race by 31 lengths. That means that the the last the horse behind him hadn't even made the turn yet, and he's over here at the finish line. That's something they've never seen before and have not seen since. And that's what God says about us. That we are a people that the world has never seen before and we will never see since. Because we have the authority to prophesy. We have the authority to make known to the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. In other words, what's God thinking right now? The devil doesn't know it. He'll never know it. He wishes he could know it. But we get to tell him, guess what God's thinking right now? He's thinking that stuff you're doing in the schools, he's done with it. It's over for that. It's over for that. And I speak to you and I tell you, you get ready to see something you ain't never seen before. So you better get ready. You get ready. Because when the sons and daughters and handmaidens and handmaids prophesy, they boldly declare the word of God to principalities and powers. It's all over but the shouting, sweetheart. It's all over except for that. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for honoring your word and letting us know your word. We love your word, Father. We know what the word's for. It's for us to use, to prophesy, to quit trying to be people that we used to be. We're new creatures in Christ.
Old things are passed away. All things have become new in us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We honor you, we bless you, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord. Praise God.